right here. He has filled this house. And if you need something from God, maybe you don't even know what it is. I'm telling you, the loving Father is in this house. If you will raise your hands to him, he's going to meet you right where you are. Praise God. He will meet you at the point of your need today. Thank you, Jesus.
entirely up to you as far as Facebook and social media is concerned, but I'm asking you to, let's fast media, whether it be newspaper, whether it be uh, radio broadcasts of media, or whether it be television, let's just broadcast for, let's for uh, fast media this week, um, except on Wednesday evening. We'll have our service online, and that will be on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, not all media is bad. Just, I want to get that out there. God has given us tools. Anything can be used for negative things. And uh, same things that are used negatively can be used positively. So we're trying to use social media. We're trying to use different media venues in a positive light. But uh, for our fast this week, I'm asking you, and there's three reasons that... <clears throat> I feel the Lord calling us to fast at this time. The first reason is individual. What is God speaking to you in this day? And as long as all the other stuff is there, it's clouding what we hear from God. And so we're fasting this month to clear the ways, to clear the air, to bring clarity to our spirits on an individual basis. We're, the second reason is a corporate level reason for our church that God would just continue to lead us and guide us in the day in the days to come there's all kinds of things that are going on and no matter what's getting ready to happen in this country around the world the church still is going to be the church but the church has to walk circumspectly not as fools but as wise and so we're praying for wisdom guidance leading direction and then the third one is to pray for our country, to pray for our country, that God would give us one more revival before the trumpet sounds. I believe that he's going to do it. I'm going to be preaching about that a little bit today. I believe that God is wanting to step on the scene one more time, at least one more time, and begin to do a mighty outpouring of his presence and his spirit. And so those are the three reasons that we're calling this fast for the month of July. And uh, some of these weeks will give you a different thing to fast each week. And some weeks for some of you may be easier. Some weeks may be harder. It just that's your benefit for that week if it's easy. But uh, we're going to fast media this week. And we'll challenge you through our emails as well. Ezekiel chapter 36. I want to start at verse number 37. And then we're going to go several verses into chapter 37 as well. So verse 37 of chapter 36, and then into chapter 37. Verse 37 says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I am ready to hear Israel's prayers and to increase their numbers like a flock. They will be as numerous as the sacred flocks that fill Jerusalem's streets at the time of her festivals. The ruined cities will be crowded with people once more, and everyone will know that I am the Lord. And I'm just going to stop there for a minute and just give you a background on this. There's a, been a separation between Israel and Judah. There's been a division between the Israelite people, and the northern kingdom was called Israel. The southern kingdom was called Judah. And the Lord is talking about bringing them back together in this passage. And, and, and we're going to get into that a little bit more. But that just kind of gives you a context 
when he says he's going to draw Israel back together. So then we get into chapter 37, and if you've been around uh, the church world any length of time, you may have heard this passage. I'm praying that I bring it out a little bit different today. But verse 1, the Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord into a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. And then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. The skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. And they all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying... We have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Does that sound familiar today? Therefore, prophesy to them and say, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. O my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And when this happens, oh my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. And with the help of the Lord today, I want to minister this message. The land of the living in the valley of dry bones. The land of the living in the valley of dry bones. Would you just ask the Lord to speak to you today? Jesus, we pray right now for every ear and every heart that's here today. Lord, I'm asking you to fill me up and pour me out upon your people. And allow us to receive what you're trying to get into our spirit. Lord, help our arms to be open to embrace your word today. 
Help our spirits to be open. Help our spiritual eyes and ears to be receptive to the word of God. For Lord, I believe that you are calling us to live one more time. I thank you, Lord God, that you are calling us to be a revival center one more time. Lord, where resurrection happens, where restoration happens, where, where restitution happens, where everything takes place. God, I believe you're calling us to that. So help us to hear what you are trying to speak into our spirits today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Now, I am fully aware that this prophecy from Ezekiel is primarily for the children of Israel and the reuniting of Israel and Judah. But whenever you take prophecy in Scripture, there is always a primary uh, fulfillment of that prophecy, and that would be to Israel. But you can take the principles of those prophetic words, and when God lines us up, we can absorb the principles of that prophecy into our spirits, and those, those principles begin to take place on our behalf. And so at the end of chapter 36, uh, what I really like is that the Lord at this point in time, in this point in Ezekiel's writings as a prophet of God, he says, the Lord says, I'm ready to hear my people's prayers and to increase their numbers. I believe today that God is ready and has been listening to our prayers. God has been calling us to a spirit of prayer, and I believe that he is ready to give us numbers as the flock of Israel. Increase us as numerous as those that were in Jerusalem at the, the feast. I believe that God is trying to get a hold of people and their hearts and their spirits to give them a resurrection because everywhere around us is suffering and death and destruction and negativity and that which would try to bring us down. God has been trying to raise us up. As a church, God is not wanting us to get down into the doldrums of society, but he's trying to get us to rise above it and be an example of how to get out of it. And can I tell you, just before I even get into my message, I have been asking God, what is the role of the church? What is the role of the preacher? What is the role of the saint in the midst of everything we're dealing with? Because I've heard all kinds of answers and I've seen all kinds of of suggestions and and, and and some of them have, have rung true in my spirit and some of them are, I just don't understand if that's the way that we should go and then the Lord kind of dropped into my spirit in my office this morning. He, he, I believe that he whispered into my spirit that says, what did my church do when they were scattered? When they suffered persecution in the book of Acts what did my people do? Whenever, did they rise up in force? Did they rise up in arms? Did they, no, the Bible says that they were scattered abroad by the persecution of Saul and those in the Roman Empire. And here's what the Bible says. And they went everywhere preaching the kingdom of God. Here's what our response is to this day, is everywhere we go, we carry the gospel of Jesus Christ with us. We begin to speak to the downtrodden. We begin to speak to the heartbroken. We begin to speak to those that are troubled on every side with the truth of the word of God. That was free. 
Here's, here's the question then. I believe that all of us here, whether we know it or not, our greatest desire is that we would find true life. Purposeful life. Significant, not just breathing in and out and, and surviving another day. I believe that all of us are looking to become significant, to have a purpose. But the Bible shows us in this passage, if you want true life, you must first receive God's vision and feel his hand in your life. He has been calling you since you were born. He has been drawing on your heartstrings since you were born. When you were in that desert place years ago, he was right there trying to touch your life. You were just resistant to it at the time because you didn't recognize what it was. All through our lives, every second of every day, God is standing there at the forefront of our lives saying, if you'll just come to me. If you'll just, why do we have creation the way that we have it? Why are there all kinds of flowers and trees and la landscaping and mountains and valleys and lakes and rivers and oceans? Why is all that? The Bible tells us in the book of Romans so that we don't have an excuse to say that there's no God. Amen. He's been trying to get our attention. Ezekiel allowed him to get a hold of him and to take him to a place that was uncomfortable to him. Will you let God grab a hold of you? Or are you going to resist? Well, God, I got it pretty good right now. The paychecks are coming in. My car is running pretty good. No major leaks at the house. My wife loves me this week. Kids are obeying for the moment. Because he knows us well enough that when everything's going good, we tend to. I'm good. I don't really need you right now, God. I'm thankful for your blessings, but, but we get into trouble. Oh, God, help me! Will you let God get a hold of your life, whether it's going good right now or going bad? Because the only way that he'll allow you to catch hold is if you'll let go of what's in your hand and grab a hold of him. As long as you're holding on to the things of this world, as long as you're holding on to your hobby, as long as you're holding on to your family, as long as you're holding on to your job, as long as you're holding on to the things that are important, as long as you can't grab a hold of the hem of his garment. But when you let go of those things and you grab a hold of him, the Bible promises all this other stuff will be added. You might as well grab a hold of him. And he'll take you to a place. And we would like to think that God's going to take us to the beach where we can hear the waves and relax in the sand. But that's not where he takes us. He took Ezekiel to a valley of dry bones. He took Ezekiel to an exposed graveyard. And the Bible says that there were many bones there. It filled up the valley. And not only was 
them, they were very dry. There was nothing in them that would give life. They were totally dry. Can I tell you that when God gets a hold of you, don't expect him to take you to the beach. Don't expect him to take you to a place of relaxation. Don't expect him to take you to the resort and the spa. Get ready to take him down the valley of your life where you know of people that have died in, in their sins. I'm not talking physical death necessarily, but spiritually they are dried up. They are as bones. I can trace back in the 50 years of my life and I can see all kinds of people that I know that if God would just give me the vision of it, I'll begin to see them. They're dried. They're, they're just no life in them. It's a valley of dried bones. And when you get to the edge of the valley of dry bones, God's going to ask you to do something strange and uncomfortable and make you feel like you're crazy. Now, I don't know about you, but if I walked out to a valley and there was a bunch of dead bones and God said, why don't you start talking to them? I would feel silly. I would feel uncertain. I would feel a little bit like, God, really? Do I really have to do this? Because of two things in my, this is me. This is, I, I, I'm, I'm reading myself into this story. There's two reasons why I would, I would number one, because I've driven a car where I've looked across and I've watched somebody talking to themselves. And I thought they were crazy. So why am I going to do it? The second reason is I have just enough faith in God that I'd be afraid one of those bones would answer back. <laughs> and that would really mess with me. But that's what God asked Ezekiel. Ezekiel talked to some dead bones. Are there dead things in your lives? Dreams, goals, aspirations, people. Have they died and they've laid in a valley and you think no dream is so dead that the bones are only the thing that's left? There is no more life in it. It's just all dried out. Can I just tell you today, I believe the Lord is challenging us to step to the edge and begin to speak into those things that have died in our lives and begin to breathe into them a life-giving force of the Spirit. Some of you have given up on what God has called you to. Some of you have laid it down. Some of you have said, no, I've messed up so many times and I've messed up so badly and I've done this and I've done that. I can never be using it. Listen, today is your day to speak to some bones. Today is your day to begin to declare some things in the spirit that will allow them to come alive. You see, God will ask you to do some foolish things. For some of you here today, it's foolish for you to raise your hands in the presence of God. For some of you today, it's foolish to lift your voice. For some of you, it's foolish to tap your toe to the music. For some of you, it's foolish to... In fact, when David danced before the Lord, it wasn't really a dance. He twirled in circles. 
and it embarrassed his wife. But he did it unto the Lord. Amen. And here's what happens. As Ezekiel is doing the foolish thing, a noise arises. The Bible says there's a rattling that begins to happen. In verse 7, suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. Can I just tell you, I believe this. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to hear some rattling take place. I believe in the midst of all of society crumbling around us, there is a rattling that's getting ready to take place. I've heard all the prophecies of the doom and gloom, and all of those prophecies may be very well, and we may have to go through some things, but in the midst of all of the doom and gloom that you see around you, it's when dry bones begin to rise. It's when the church begins to be the church like never before. The church has been through the flood, it's been through the fire. One of these days, the church is going to move a little higher. The noise arose. It was the clanking of bone coming to bone. It was the shaking of the dead, dry bones. But it was the rattle of death. It was not the rattle of life. The noise that Ezekiel heard the first time was the rattle of dead bones connecting. It was a death rattle. Can I just tell you, I've heard a lot of death rattles in America. I've heard a lot of death rattles around the world. Can I just tell you what I believe is happening? Let me put it to you this way. You read scripture and you show me where the world diminishes. It does. The Bible says this, the earth, heaven and earth shall pass away. But at the same time, you show me anywhere in scripture where the Bible says that the church will diminish. It doesn't. The Bible says this, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Listen, I don't care what's going on around us. The church is in good hands. I don't care what we have to face or what we have to go through and how we have to adjust. The church is going to be the church. In the midst of a death rattle, there is a voice of life. And that voice of life has got to come from the church. Ezekiel hears this rattle. There's been a lot of rattling going on in our society. A lot of death going on. But this is what you have to understand. Dry bones often move and make adjustments and make a rattling noise just before life. Just before life is restored. Look at this this process of this miracle in Ezekiel 37. Number one, the prophet heard and was moved by God. The second thing, he looked at the dead bones. The third thing, he prophesied to the dead bones. And the fourth thing, the bones began to gather together, but there's no word that there was muscle and tissue and, and flesh. It was just the structure. It was the rattling of the structure. And then all of a sudden you see where God adds the flesh and the muscles. It's added to the structure. It was not the original, but it was a brand new beast. 
being, it didn't look like the old because we don't know what the old looked like. Listen, when your dead, dry bones start gathering together and God starts putting things back together, it's not going to look like it did before. That dream that you had years ago that is laid in the valley of dry bones, as God begins to resurrect it, it's not going to look like you thought it was going to look. It's going to have a different face. It's going to have a different muscle structure. It's going to have a different expression. It's going to even have a different personality. There's going to be something that happens in you that when God resurrects it in you, it will be a brand new thing. Stop trying to fight with the way you thought it was going to be and start accepting the way that God is creating it now because when God creates it now, everything will be done in order. And then, once he gets the flesh and the muscles, then the Bible says, and breath came into it. And they became a great army. Can I just tell you that there have been moments in the last several weeks where weariness has set in. And I know I'm not the only one. Just weary. Just tired. But can I tell you something? Over the last couple days, as I've been thinking about this message and this morning, I started taking into account some of the things that have been stated over me that I thought had become a valley of dry bones. But I'm starting to hear the rattle. The year was 1989, my second year of Bible college. Sister Tammy Trout was crazy enough to put me on the praise team. And I would sit oftentimes next to a dear saint of God, Minnie Kelly. One of the most bold women. She doesn't care about anything. She just says it. She was the one, by the way, for those that know the story, she's the one that told me about the man that was down in the front that I needed to go talk to. And God put my wife and I together who ended up being, we believe, an angel of God. That, that same lady. She stopped me after church one night and she looked me eyeball to eyeball and when she looked you eyeball to eyeball you just kind of waited. She said, young man, there's coming a day when you will be preaching to hundreds at a time. Can I just tell you that that has not happened yet? I haven't had that happen yet in one setting. But I hear the sound of the bones that are rattling. Listen, it may not be in one setting, but because of the online presence that this pandemic has ushered us into, what the devil meant for evil, God is going to give us to good. I hear the sound of the rattling of bones. There are people that are watching this on video that have, uh, have not heard me preach. I'm reaching 
people that I've never reached with my ministry. What, what's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. It doesn't look the way that I thought it was going to look when she first shared it. It doesn't sound like it did when she first shared it. But there's something that's happening. That which was dead, God is putting flesh back on. It's looking different. It's sounding different. But it's still going to be alive. And I know that I'm not the only one. Some of you have been fighting over the last several weeks and months trying to figure out where you fit into God's big plan and how you should operate your life and how you should do this. And listen, your bones are getting ready to come alive. You've been hearing the death rattle just before the breath of God breathes into it. And I believe that today is the day that the breath of God is going to breathe into your dry bones. Because we are living in the land of living in the valley of dry bones. Thank you, God. Somebody's going to get the victory today. Amen. Somebody's going to walk away here endowed with power from on high. I want to, if you'll just give me about five more minutes. That is all good, and I am excited about dry bones coming to life. And when you read the Bible, sometimes the translators have helped us, and sometimes the translators have hindered us. You have to understand that the Bible was not written by chapter and verse. Chapters and verses were added later so that we could, well, it's the Dewey Decimal System, if you will. Those of you that don't remember that is sorry. <laughs> but if you wanted to find the book, you'd have to go find the number, and then that would show you which shelf and where it was at. You could go and find the book. That's the only reason why there's chapters and verses in Scripture is so people can easily reference where they're finding things in the actual Bible. And sometimes it helps and sometimes it doesn't. If you are reading a Bible like my Bible, at the end of verse number 14 which is where we stop reading today, it is a space and then there is another heading. And it says the reunion of Israel and Judah. And so oftentimes when we read this passage, we stop at verse number 14. And we stop it and because it, and the translator has said, okay, there's a change of thought here. There's a change of thinking. But there was no verse and chapter in the original manuscripts that were written. And so verse 14, if you will, uh, verse 15, if you will, is just a continuation of verse 14. And this is what I need somebody to catch today. Not somebody to understand, but to catch it. I want you to put out your net, put out your baseball glove, whatever it is for you to catch a word of the Spirit. I need somebody to catch this today. In verse 15, he's still talking about dry bones. And he says this, a message come, came to me from the Lord. Son of man, take a piece of wood and carve on it these words. This represents Judah and its allied tribes. And take another piece of wood and carve these words. This represents Ephraim and the words on it uh, and the northern tribes of Israel. Now hold them together in your hand as if they were one piece of wood. And when your people ask you what your actions mean, say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. 
I will take Ephraim and the northern tribes and join them to Judah, and I will make them one piece of wood in my hand. Then hold out the pieces of wood you have so the people can see them and give them this message. I will gather the people of Israel from among the nations and I will bring them home to their own land. Listen, when the dry bones get resurrected, God is going to take Ephraim and he's going to take Judah. And it's going to be one piece of wood. And as you take those dry bones with you, he is going to begin to call the people from the nations back to Israel. He's going to, listen, there are some people that you haven't had contact with in years. Get ready to have a contact. God's going, not because you're seeking them, but because God is calling them. Now listen. There, it's interesting to me, and this is the point that somebody has to get. It's interesting to me that the Lord through Ezekiel does not say this represents Israel. It says this represents Ephraim. And unless you do your Bible study, you won't understand what God is trying to say in this passage. So I did the study for you. If you go to Genesis chapter 41, verse 51 and 52, you begin to see what Joseph named his children at. His oldest son was Manasseh, and his youngest son was Ephraim. His oldest son, Manasseh, meant that God made him forget his troubles or what God had done in his life. Ephraim meant this, God has made me fruitful in the midst of my grief. And you're still not going to get it yet, because we've got to go a little bit deeper. But let me pause and say this, you have got to let Manasseh go and pick up Ephraim. And I'll tell you why in just a minute. Because that doesn't stop there. If you turn over to Genesis chapter 14, Manasseh, the older, meant that God had forgiven all his past, what God had done in the past. And Ephraim was, God has made me fruitful in my grief. Manasseh was the past. Ephraim is the present and the future. Now, I want you to watch this. Jason and, and Travis, come. Owen, you stand right, or Declan, you stand right behind them. You're going to be, you're going to be Joseph. Turn around towards me. I'm going to be, yeah, you stand right behind me. I'm going to be Jacob. These are your two boys. Your youngest, your oldest. Okay. Youngest, the Bible confuses you because he talks from Joseph's perspective, not Jacob's. Joseph brings Manasseh. And there is something biblical and powerful in their tradition of blessing. One generation would bless the other. Jacob understood this because he finagled his brother Esau's 
Right. Blessing out. Remember that? Yeah. Back with Isaac and, and, and conned him into a blessing. That's how important it was. So now Joseph is standing before Jacob, and Jacob is getting ready to bless his sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And the reason why Jacob brought the men these, this way is because it was customary that the oldest would receive the first blessing because the first blessing was always more powerful than the second blessing. It's the reason why Jacob became Jacob, and it's not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. Jacob got the good blessing. Right. Esau was blessed, but not in the same way. And so Joseph, in his human mentality, brings his oldest because there was something about the right hand in Scripture that goes all the way back to the beginning. And that which was put upon by the right hand would receive the stronger blessing. And then the left-handed blessing was different. And so Joseph brings Manasseh and Ephraim before Jacob to receive the blessing, the family blessing. And really God's blessing. And so Joseph is expecting for Jacob to reach out and put his right hand on his oldest son and his left hand on his youngest son. I said a little bit forward because you're too far away from my arms. <laughs> but here is what Jacob does to the consternation of Joseph. Jacob goes like this. And he lays the right hand on the younger and the left hand on the older. And Joseph thinks that Jacob is making a mistake. And so Jacob, or Joseph said, Dad, 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 Jacob, Jacob, no, no, you're doing it wrong. That's my oldest. And Joseph says, I understand that he's your oldest. I understand that he's supposed to get the blessing. And he's going to be blessed. He's going to be a father of great nations. But my hand of blessing is on your younger. Why is it on the younger? It's on the younger. Because the blessing comes through the present and the future and not the past. Listen, your past is covered by the blood. Your present and your future is getting ready to be anointed today by the right hand of God. When you can be seated thinking, when God raised the bones of Ezekiel up and he gathers, the Bible says he gathers Judah and he gathers Ephraim. The present and the future, not Manasseh. He brings your present and your future and he connects it to Judah, which is the word for praise and worship. And so in your present and your past, as you begin to bring those together in praise and worship, your present and your future combined with worship speaks volumes to those around you. It will make him cause them to ask. What's different about you? Why do you have this? Why do you have a smile on your face when everything is falling apart? And then you'll be able to say, here's the reason why. I was a dead, dry, bone person. And God gave me life. And he did, took care of my past. And he united my present and my future with my worship. And all of a sudden, I became a powder cake for him. Listen. God is trying to tell somebody, you need to catch this today. Your past is not where you're blessed. Because your past has no power. Because your past has dried up like dry bones. But God has sent a preacher to you today. So that those dry bones can come together.
And when it comes together, God will breathe in to that person a new breath. And he will unite your presence and your future to the worship of God. And when that takes place, anointing, power, transformation, restoration, reconciliation, all the other shows that I can come up with. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Uh, Your filth will be washed away, Hallelujah. and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart, and yes. give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you, so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. You're here today, and you have been standing in front of a valley of dry bones, and all you can see is your past, and all you can see is that which is dried up. I invite you to stand right.